Welcome to Alfalfa, a free-flowing, irreverent, digestible, somewhat degenerate crypto podcast for all, powered by Collective Shift. Entrepreneurs and investors Armand Asadi, Nick Urbani, Steven Cesaro, and Eric Johansson dive deep into crypto, blockchain, DeFi, NFTs, the metaverse, and Web3, all while layering in the latest in tech, money, and politics, feeding you the alpha you need to grow. Make sure to check out collectiveshift.io for crypto insights and alerts, and use code ALFALFA for 50% off your first month. A friendly but serious reminder, this is not financial advice and is for entertainment only. Do your own research. Also, please subscribe to the show and tell your DGen friends all about us. Now let us begin. In most of the Michael Saylor stuff, to you know, to be fair, like I'm grateful for what he does for crypto in general. It, it does it does certainly border on border on cringe might be a might be a generous statement, but I think it's also a lot of stuff he says is good and useful. And I was thinking a lot. I've been thinking a lot on like the proof of stake versus proof of work thing for a while. Obviously. Ethereum and Bitcoin, well, I don't know if it's obvious to people, but Ethereum and Bitcoin are both proof of work coins and Ethereum is making the move to proof of stake next year. And it's it's caused this like huge. It was a really good example of hey, a preface. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I, I, yes. you know, I try to I try to take and integrate feedback and just thank always, you. Always that was better. remarkably fast. Yeah, <laughs> I'm fast learner. <laughs> I didn't get here being slow. Uh, Please, Lord, continue. <laughs> so, yeah, this is like ongoing debate. I mean, we've certainly heard a lot with uh, with Hoffman from Bankless lately. There's been a lot of content on the proof of stake, proof of work thing. And this proof of stake is better and proof of work is better. And like, I, I think that both sides make like really good points and none are like entirely convincing. I don't think it's really like a winner take all debate but i i think that what like the sort of bankless justin drake side of the argument is 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 missing in this is like the kind of like michael saylor energy meme you know the the bitcoin is a battery which i thought was really dumb to be frank the first time i heard it i was like bitcoin's not a battery it's just like just using all these like well, Bitcoin harnesses money through time and space and dimensions. And it's just like, it's just so. Oh, my God. Can so... you only speak like that? <laughs> he, did, he did that Friday after a few drinks. I like, I like it's would, you, out now. would you have any voice in five minutes if you did that? My, uh, my, my terrible my <laughs> Michael Saylor impression. I'll, I'll just I'll just start oh, busting great. out bad impressions. It'll be my shtick. Um, yeah, when he was saying that, I was like, Jesus, this guy is like, it's just so over the top. And then. Um, sort of like made the point it like brought up uh, el salvador right and they they did their the volcano bonds and kind of a meme you know in yeah. and of itself and it's kind of it's kind of silly in isolation right because if you're really bullish on bitcoin you probably buy bitcoin if you're really bullish on el salvador you'd probably like buy some bonds or something like that I, like there's, there's it's very hard to see the intersection of why one would prefer a volcano bond to uh, you know, either of those two options, uh, other than like there's just a lot of money in the space, and maybe they want to just support the cause, which is sort of like a meme and a good thing in and of itself, and maybe that's where it came from. Um, but the the volcano bond like solidified like two things for me. One is that you know 
obviously when El Salvador did its thing, the IMF sort of said like, hey, don't 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 fuck with us or we're going to cut you off. Don't be a bad little don't be a bad little country and defect off the you know, off fiat. And then, you know, Bukele or whatever his name is, was basically just like, you know, go fuck yourself. We'll raise money via volcano bonds, you know, and they did that. And he just kind of demonstrated this way in which like a third world company, a, a third world country with natural resources could leverage those natural resources like purely for like its own benefit to raise capital because like the 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 standard practice for most of the last century has sort of been the you know confessions of an economic hitman model where you have this Mm. like kind of natural wealth and it just kind of comes in and gets exploited you know First, obviously, the U.S. popularized that, but like China's been doing it like crazy recently. Mm-hmm. Come in and give you a bunch of you got resources, right? And you can't really use them. Well, China comes in and kind of gives you this money and like extracts value from them, and then they sort of like own you. And then like, oops, you defaulted, and now China owns all of your stuff and they all all this, right? So, so what Bitcoin does to kind of bring this around that I, I think is really interesting that you can't do in proof of stake is is I think Bitcoin really does enable like the monetization of energy and and, and natural resources Mm -hmm. in general in a way that's never really existed before and i I think there are so many examples of this that i've like opened my opened my eyes to recently and this this idea that like bitcoin is like a way to sort of like digitally store energy in a hyper efficient way i i think there actually is a lot to that and this is like especially useful to like a third world country with resources and not a lot of like development in a way that like Ethereum proof of stake is just not because to, to take advantage of proof of stake, you kind of need to have, you need to have capital, right? You need to own Ethereum. And it, it is really efficient from like a network perspective in that you don't have to issue so many tokens and dilute yourself to, you know, secure the network. But it also does kind of isolate a lot of these kind of, you know, more marginalized people in, in, in countries in a way, I think. Um, and this sort of really ties in too, I think, to, to the whole ESG debacle of the last year where like Bitcoin's coming to all this flack because it's, it's not good for the environment. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And most of the thinking on this is either just like, you know, extraordinarily disingenuous or just, or, or just, just dumb or ignorant short-sighted short-sighted but it's not even short it's not even short-sighted because short-sighted would imply that there's going to be this like long-term benefit that's sort of like difficult to see and maybe like the benefits are sort of diffuse and spread out when the reality is that like it enables that like i i came across um via the masari crypto report like a, a a paper that had been written by a researcher at arc that i hadn't seen before and it talked about how Bitcoin could actually enable more renewable energy production. Mm-hmm. Because what totally. people don't really understand yeah. about the power grid is like they, they, people are, everybody has this like zero sum mentality about everything, right? It's just like fixed amount of money. And these people are taking money from these people. And like the planet has these fixed amount of resources. And if they're here that, you know, it's just this like, it, but it's not really the way things work. And it's, this is especially true in like energy. Like people think there's this like finite amount of energy and it just gets consumed for one thing and another. But the reality of this 
the world is that like energy is a lot more complicated than that. And you can see this like really readily in something like solar, right? So the problem with solar and other renewables is that you do not have consistent demand for the power, power like cycles up and down, the demand cycles up and down, you know, in regular intervals throughout the day. Um, you don't have consistent production of the power. The sun isn't out all the time. The wind isn't always blowing. And even like hydroelectric power that that's sometimes in areas where there's like seasonal rainfall and it's not there for part of the year. Right. Um, and then the other problem is that you can't really like store energy. Like our, our technology for storing right. energy is not good. Like, so what ends up happening is like, you may have like a, an area that needs like, I don't know my power units, but like say like a hundred megawatts of energy per year. Right. But you can't build a wind or a solar farm that produces like a hundred megawatts per of energy. Right. It's, it's just not that simple. You have to sort of model it on like where peak energy is going to be. And, and you, you end up in a situation where you either overbuild, you know, to meet peak demand, but then you have like, all of this wasted production and you end up being like really, really unprofitable or you build like a much smaller project that can actually have the value extracted from it. But then you have all this additional energy demand that has to go into more consistent traditional sources like, like coal. So what Bitcoin allows you to do is to say like, well, I can just build the solar farm for the maximum amount, right? And anytime the energy isn't being used or drawn upon by the grid, instead of trying to store it and failing, right? Or just wasting it, which is basically what would happen. You can now just divert the energy to the Bitcoin network. Mm -hmm. So you can now monetize all of the downtime on your solar farm, all the downtime on your wind farm where you're not, you, you can actually over-engineer these things so that you don't have like rolling brownouts in, in, in Germany and all the other places of the world where like you know, there's, there's no really oh, great implementation. Yeah, like these <laughs> renewable energy is like not, it, it is like sort of a meme to a degree, right? It's like, it, it's nice in theory, but in, in practice, it, it's not serving the needs of the, the people who rely on energy. It's Bitcoin becomes the battery to capture the value of the energy. Yeah, like capturing the energy. What do you think the odds are that uh, Tesla rolls out their integrated uh, Bitcoin miner for their solar panels and, and battery system, right? So, you know, obviously the solar energy can go into the battery or it could go to like offset the cost and, and make money. I think it's like a good little, I mean, they're really good at hardware. They're, I mean, I think it falls right in their... I agree. I'm it's an like, interesting question. Like I'm really Elon mentioned skeptical. that he was going to he was going to turn a mining rig into like a space heater as well because it like emits yeah. heat. Perfect. I mean, it, it, Elon is notorious for just promising things and not delivering them. Oh, here we no. go. Oh no. <laughs> oh, God. which is just it's just, just factually it's just factually true. I mean, the vast majority of features literally over delivered in every possible way a human being can over deliver. You're you're like let, let's just point out all of the, like he he exaggerated and never delivered on self-driving cars. He exaggerated wildly exaggerated never delivered on like self-driving trucks. Those things can't they, like it's the hard. Whole it's hard. Yes, it's hard. I'm not <laughs> saying progress. he will never Who? deliver on these things. Like I'm so not why saying, are we gonna why, why 
why why why this are we spanking someone because the idea that we're going to just pop out like a bitcoin mining thing that also charges your car the next year or two like color me color me skeptical right and yes Look. yes we have this balance all the time with stuff we but we have if when we aspire to these outlandish things like yes we promise things that are sometimes unpromisable but like it's what it's I'm called to be a visionary that. yes he is a visionary is sort of like, and that's what makes gonna, him a visionary you, the question was do you think tesla is going to roll out some magical bitcoin mining equipment and my answer to that is like in the near term no like that just sounds like classic elon like, i would take overnight. that bet every time of course i'm with you on that like if i'm yes. just gonna sit and go okay. like then, how then, then quickly is that gonna happen but hold on but but what you're doing is you're and i don't want to get into too deep of a of a tangent on elon but what you do when you make those comments is you're drawing this like circle around anything elon has ever said or done and just saying that because he is not able to deliver in the timelines that he delivers in or because he has not delivered in certain things that he said he was going to deliver that just makes the whole thing a farce and illusion it makes the whole thing a con that's where i draw the line i say look visionary entrepreneur doing things that no one else has ever done look, i don't want to give respect i don't want to turn this into an due. elon debate we could go through okay well then let me go back to something elon has i want to go that are physically impossible to deliver <laughs> and will never be delivered and then there are some <laughs> things that are aspirational and may be delivered someday. But I can assure Fine. you the list of things that Elon has <laughs> promised that have been delivered in anywhere near a timely fashion is like is like quite long. And that, that is well, to, do not I, to discredit like Tesla in general, but like there is a lot of stuff being like over promised and under delivered by, fine, by Elon fine, fine, in fine. addition to the great stuff he has done. Okay? Yeah, I went to Mars People, before Elon actually. Both of these I, thoughts I bought GameStop, so I've already been to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I want to go back to energy and we can wrap wrap that topic if anyone else has anything on it. But look, the, the main thing with um, Bitcoin energy and that topic that's really interesting to me is like, look, the, the middle curve sort of like mainstream reaction to it is short sighted. Yes, but what it mainly is in my from from as far as like my perspective sees is lazy. It's extremely hard to go into the details of how this stuff works. It's very similar to just taking climate change and having a take on it based on what the consensus, the consensus in quotes might say. And that, and by the way, I'm not trying to give, put myself in any position on having a position with climate change. I don't know enough about it. I can't answer that question because I don't understand what it looks like to recreate climate change science in a vacuum because I know that's not possible. So the instances where uh, there is science that leads to certain conclusions uh, to the best of our ability. I understand why there might be a consensus that overwhelmingly points to one direction. So with Bitcoin, the best example that I've come across of someone who isn't, you know, having a middle curve reaction is Jordan Peterson. So there was this video I came across on yeah, my YouTube algorithm. Jordan Peterson's reaction to getting orange pilled and just generally understanding not I can't even say understanding and the reason that I say I can't understand climate change or Bitcoin mining and its relationship with energy is because Jordan Peterson can't understand it. His reaction was I need and I quote I'm paraphrasing but I quote very like almost to the T I need the next five years to think about this was his reaction. So the level of depth of understanding of what is possible for developing nations, for what this does to energy and the ability to move that energy from one area to another, how we store it, all of that, for the first time that I've ever seen, blew his mind. I don't think I've ever seen Jordan Pearson's mind get blown 
at a new topic. He typically blows his own mind with his own ideas because he's discovering what he knows in real time. But he just so to me, that, that showed recently, me everything. Yeah? He didn't learn about Bitcoin recently, but there was a discussion like around. A, aha. Recently. Yeah. He like crossed, yeah, the, he a, like crossed deeper... a particular Rubicon recently and he's, we, he's had like an aha moment. Do we know his like, um, has he commented on, on financial markets before? Like, does he have like a proclivity to one camp or the uh, other? Any like not, biases that we know? I'm just financial curious. Financial market? I'm, well, he's he's Great obviously question. more in, I hate to put him in like the conservative bucket, but he's clearly like, he clearly like caucuses with the right. But like Bitcoin is like a really natural fit for him because his whole brand is sort of built on like self-reliance, right? And personal mm -hmm. responsibility. And these are like kind of core elements of like like Bitcoin culture. You know? Sovereign right. individual. IP is not your Bitcoin. Yeah. Self-sovereignty, <laughs> you know, self-custody, like all this stuff. It, it, it does fit in in that realm. And in, in that respect, it's not even like political to him. I love so much that about it Bitcoin. It's just like a, a fit. And that's what I mean. Bitcoin's great. It, it, Bitcoin should appeal to the left and the right. It's like a shame should. that it's sort of turning into a political football now just because one side has started like yeah the, like the right is starting to embrace it more so the left is starting to sort of naturally backlash against it a little bit with almost not not even understanding why they're they're doing it or like pol polit politicians are doing it because it's like obviously expedient but then people are sort of going along with it because they're obviously like oh lefty person likes that i don't ha i have to hate that or a righty person likes that i have to hate that and that's that's like a shame because like you know bitcoin is for everybody crypto is for for everybody but like bitcoin is especially is like for everybody it's like one of the more like equalizing I'm, forces i'm really put in the world you know? interested in um the sequence of the narratives that are going to happen like obviously you know ethereum is going to go proof of stake say early next year and they're going to use the narrative of like you know t manages less less energy so bitcoin will have that against it then i think there might be another narrative will come up is i think there's it's going to be the the largest proof of work network and that's actually really hard to rebuild to copy like mm -hmm. to you know spin up manufacturing and you know structure all these devices along the world and some of them most of them probably with sustainable energy like it's going to be something that's really hard to copy and will back the hard money thesis so that narrative might come back if people can kind of you know, wear out the anti-environment narrative. I'm sure like, you know, there'll be some news on different big, maybe public companies using renewable energy, like, I don't know, uh, Niagara Falls or something to, to mine Bitcoin energy that there will be. Um, and then at some point, I think, you know, like oil, I think the game theory plays out for these smaller countries and, and kind of pushed off authoritarian regimes where, they may price commodities like oil in, in Bitcoin at some point, you know, that might be like years away, but, but still, hmm. I'm just curiously what the sequence of these narratives is going to be. I think over the long haul, it's all, all bullish for owning it, but, um, for, for owning you know, what Bitcoin or for yeah. Owning, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think like, uh, especially like we're, we're all pretty big Ethereum bulls here. And like, I would even say like, I, I like Ethereum more than I like Bitcoin, but I like have like a deep, respect for bitcoin and I, I think it's almost unfair to compare them because they are just yeah it is so stupid different, right? I, I yeah don't, I don't think it's good. like as as like ethereum like it 
I know that this environmental thing is going to be like a narrative that Ethereans push and like we should probably be like we should probably push back against it like we should probably be like intellectually honest about it like like Bitcoin is, is it's just not bad for the environment like if anything it's like an active force of good for the environment because of the way that if you really understand how energy works it does incentivize more renewable energy in the world right and then like you also need to just look deeper and be like okay so bitcoin uses one percent of the energy in the world you're like well that sounds like a lot okay but like how much does the how much does the dollar use how much do does the banking system use how much of the banking system can bitcoin <laughs> replace and what are the marginal gains of energy usage on that infrastructure and then you can go deeper than that too like you can go like beyond the environment right this is a, I, I can't remember who Hot damn. Up, so I'm not going to cite it. That's but like, a good uh, take, man. There, there, there. Uh, blanket citation out there somewhere. Somebody, somebody uh, did this write up. I wish I knew his name, but like he, he was talking about how what people are missing in the energy de debate too is when you when you talk about things like the dollar, like oil, like real estate, property, all of these things are ultimately enforced by violence they're ultimately right. enforced by military force and ultimately like human life right that's what is like for the entirety of humanity has like enforced like the dollar supremacy has enforced like oil has enforced property rights like all of these things have ultimately been backed by like violence and ergo like human life right so the fact that something like bitcoin enables all of this right and the cost is not human life it's just energy like that's another thing that people aren't thinking about like it's this thinking about like oh bitcoin uses x and it's just so myopic it's just so middle curve it like really it really hurts and like to, to put just put this thing in the perspective it just it hurts like, your just brain bring it yeah like really does <laughs> like once you learn about it it's just like another one of these things where like how can people like actually hold this position like knowing what I know and like you just just hope it's just because they don't know and they will come around. No, they don't know. Out, right? They don't know. Like, but like, yeah, just to put Bitcoin in perspective, when we talk about like how it can like recapture, you know, previously wasted energy. Are you, are you familiar with like like flaring with natural gas with like just where they where, where they there's effect that you what, what there's effectively a process where they just burn it up because it can't be effectively transported anywhere. And, and used in an economically viable sense. The amount of natural gas that is just burned every single day in the United States, not like burned, like like used, like just flare, mm -hmm. is eight times the entire year of the Bitcoin networks, like energy Whoa. production, I believe. I don't know that. Yeah. Every day. 8x. Which, which is just like a mind blowing stat um that was in the that was in the report so if that's wrong you know just go yell it uh, it's, it's a good so point like me you know how much energy the dollar is creating but what else goes behind you know making a uh, a currency the reserve currency right like you, you could oh, say the whole like full military blown, budget full-blown military yeah yeah exactly yeah, just, right like just think about the, yeah think about like the toll the violence everything that's been kind of like enforced upon the world like at large in the name of like dollar supremacy and like sure we can argue that that was better than the alternatives and i would argue that it was but it doesn't mean that there was not like a great deal of like bloodshed and loss in, in the name well, of that and that doesn't i mean have all to the continue. 
any byproduct of like us saudi arabia like that was the original agreement like we're going to price oil in dollars like the petrodollar that agreement you know is what you know i think sustains the dollar obviously other things but it helps sustain the dollar as the reserve currency so whatever byproduct of violence or loss of life or just like you know messed up uh, foreign relations happens from that you, know, you could probably file that in the column of uh you know cost right mm -hmm. this is this is good perspective on bitcoin i'd like to put another sort of like maybe a boundary on the perspective of bitcoin because i want to ask uh you guys particularly nick and armand because steven you actually mentioned it in episode one but have you guys ever sold bitcoin i've only held it for two years so i've, I've literally never sold oh, no. it but i don't intend to um and I think that's important because I think that when, when you consider that, like that is not going to be a medium of exchange. Like right. I, I won't sell it. I will never sell it. Like I, I'm not going to sell this stuff. So like how is like, you know, there is a boundary on, you know, it's of course Bitcoin could be a great and maybe the best store of value of all time, but like it's not going to be money, like medium <laughs> exchange money. Yeah. Ooh, you just really prodded, uh, an army. Right I know. There. I know. <laughs> it's not. I don't. Um, I don't. Not I don't, only. I, I don't think that's only, a particularly controversial hold, point, though. No, it's it's not. But it it is when you're speaking to someone who's dedicating their life to it. I and think so even among my even reaction among to that. Not. I would my say. my reaction that though would to be to better understand why I'm missing something there because I clearly am missing something there. I don't see it as a medium of exchange. So yeah, Eric. Not only have I not uh, sold it, but I, I've never even thought of using it in in a sense. There's no utility. I'm not going to sell it for currently. burgers. That's for sure. Like, right, I'm not gonna... right, right. And this is what people outside of our world that, that's their that's their favorite jab, right? Have you bought a pizza with Bitcoin? <laughs> well, I can actually tell you about somebody who did. Um, <laughs> but the point is, like that that's always the reaction. It's this is this has no utility. This is not a medium exchange. Um, what's the purpose of a digital gold and a store of value? I might as well just keep doing things the way I do them. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think that's that's. I, I want to better understand what it is that, like, say you guys were to put on the hat of a of a Bitcoin maxi, like, what is the argument that this thing should serve every purpose, and why does every layer one coin want to serve every purpose? That's well, what I think we have to. You're conflating things a little bit. Bitcoin, like, very expressly does not want to serve every purpose. They've made very conscious decision to only serve effectively, like, one purpose, right? So I wouldn't, like, lump them with other layer ones, because, or I wouldn't even call Bitcoin, like, a layer one, really, in the traditional sense that we say layer one, right? So I, I wouldn't say that. And as for, like, what a max, like, the, there, there are no even halfway intelligent maximalists I know who are, are under any delusion that like Bitcoin is going to be some sort of medium of exchange anytime in the, the near future, right? Like the, I think the current thought is basically that like you have Gresham's law whereby good money drives out bad money. It's obviously like a fundamental law that like when you have good money and bad money, you hold the good money and you spend the bad money, right? Mm -hmm. So this fits like very in with like the Bitcoin thesis, right? I think the idea that it has to be a medium of exchange today or it's like invalidated is is not 
is not a good argument. Like, because if you assume an asset's going to grow to a hundred trillion dollars as like Michael Saylor thinks it is and do a hundred X from there, like it's, it's obviously not going to do a hundred X while maintaining stability in a way that like makes it like useful to, to spend. Like, so I don't think anybody believes that. So the, the argument from a maxi perspective, if they really wanted to hold on to the medium of exchange thing would be that like, you have to get to the point where it's, it's sort of like hit. It's like, it, it, it's, it's leveling off point. It's like, it's like hit like the flat part of the, the logarithmic growth curve. And it's just sort of like moving in the same generalized direction and gen- generalized rate that like the, the U S dollar does today, but it can't get there until it gets like much, 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 much bigger. And like, what, I don't, what would you call it? Like it sovereign, what would you call it if sovereign nations are like using it, uh, to exchange using Bitcoin as an exchange of value to settle like government debt or something like that. That's kind of like exchange. Well, I think Bitcoin as a settlement layer and the Bitcoin network, you know, more specifically as a settlement layer is Bitcoin to Bitcoin. You're saying like sending it back yeah, and forth. Yeah. Just like, like strike the app is, is a good example of this strike is an app that was developed by Jack, Jack Mahler. Um, it basically leverages Bitcoin Lightning Network to send fiat currency anywhere in the world. So you're sending fiat from your bank account to somebody else and their native currency. So you send dollars, they get pounds. It uses the Bitcoin network. Nobody ever touches Bitcoin, right? So I, like, I, I think the Bitcoin network today already settles like more transactions per day than Fedwire does, right? Which is in and of itself like a, and like some people will say like, no, Fedwire does like, you know, two and a half times as many, but like in reality, there's like a lot of like batched transactions with the way that the Bitcoin works. And it's like, it almost like certainly like far, far more than Fedwire. But at any rate, the fact that it's even close is, is like crazy, right? That in and of itself is like a tremendous amount of utility, regardless of whether you want to take it out to Starbucks and use it to to buy a coffee. There's so much value and there's so much utility there, like that the the Starbucks thing does not invalidate the existence of of Bitcoin. And you know, that's it's a very like it's a very smooth brained argument, you know. And and I, I think that that line of attack probably died with any sort of like you know it wasn't hasn't really been taken seriously since like 2017 2018 and no i think the the future currency will be you know stable coins or central bank digital currencies you know stable coins settled on ethereum uh central bank digital currencies i don't know what what they'll set up but either way um that's will be the future currency but bitcoin could be used as reserves for any any one of those right like um, a country could hold Bitcoin in their Federal Reserve to back, hard back their currency, and a stablecoin could mm-hmm. also have, yeah. you know, WBTC as part of just the, like correct, the correct. There's absolutely yeah. no reason why we can't have stablecoins that people use as a medium of exchange, and they're collateralized by Bitcoin in the same oh, way that Bitcoin. we have Dai on Ethereum, and it's sort of collateralized by Ethereum. Like there, you know, this this idea that like you can't get any stability from Bitcoin, I I don't. I don't think it's true because I think you can so get stability this, fiat to fiat, but also just within crypto itself. What what does this mean to you guys as investors? Like when you when you think about that? 
well, I, I guess mean, so. purposes, right? I don't, I don't know because I think like a guy like Hoffman would would argue like why can't ETH also do that and also mm-hmm. what it does, you know? Right. Which, I mean, which has become a very common sort of broad argument in favor of Ethereum. They, they, they both could do things that the other do, but like I still get put off when people compare the two together because like they're two different things and they're also two different types of investments. Like on investments, you know, uh, Bitcoin is kind of like your your store of value over long term and Ethereum should be like your venture capital bet, right? It's like a five to 10 year technology play. And that's not what I, I don't view Bitcoin as that. I think it is like my primary hedge against inflation. And, I, you know, I, I consider it's all to be somewhat risky, but at the same time, but I don't know if you guys have seen this, like the, the Winklevoss twins, I think like two years ago, a year and a half ago, they put out some like why 500K Bitcoin. And I think in the thing, they they put Bitcoin as digital gold and uh, Ethereum as oil, like as commo- com- you know comparable commodities. Mm-hmm. And so like when people argue like, well, Bitcoin isn't good enough, it's like, I don't know, they're like... <laughs> using something that it shouldn't be used for like i try to put bitcoin and and use it to like run my car and to run this like global financial or global like transportation network and it doesn't work that way and it's like well of course it doesn't it's not it's not what it's for it's not what it's built for it's not how it's going to be used so i don't know i I think um such a weird place to be when you start comparing those two and i think maybe over time you know it'll be done less because people will realize how how weird it is to compare you know, like gold and oil, maybe they're in the same asset class mm-hmm. still, but their their use cases are like so wildly different. I mean, you're bringing up something that I fundamentally actually worry about. I really think that there's uh, serious concerns around uh, the space as a whole, where you have this thing that is obviously moving at an exponential rate of adoption, and people are insanely excited about it. And we're obviously in a bull market right now. And as soon as people enter into this whole world that is just purely chaos and volatility, they start to develop this idea of of, of belonging, of community, of of tribes, which is super innate right. and natural to every single human being. And I can understand why we fall into this trap. But the whole purpose of crypto, I mean, I don't know, to me at least, was to eradicate all of that type of thinking, um, to, to just create a, a totally open borderless you know to remove to, to get get us out of these walled garden type uh technologies and spaces and and create openness and permissionless networks and i just really worry about certain types of maximalism i worry about certain types of uh thinking i see the same thing that that has caused problems in america and the world as a whole in crypto and i think we're kind of like dismissive of it because it's so early and we're like oh that's cute you know so-and-so is having a little twitter argument with so-and-so and and that's (laughs) cute but really it's like fundamentally a problem like we should all be helping each other we should all be moving up together we should realize that there are apples and oranges and that each one serves a different purpose some are utility some are whatever the fuck they want to be help one another like i'm worried i kind of am i the only one yeah, I kind of, I kind of disagree with this take. A disagree, lot. but, 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 does that like, does that resonate with any of you? Like, I, there, I'd love to hear your take, Stephen, on why you disagree. But yeah, but hold, yeah. hold well, on. Well, what you're, just, what you're <laughs> describing is like the free market, and I think like everyone, uh, just you know, like that's that's what the market does. It like 
has individual actors and everyone arrives at their, you know, the final place. I, I, uh, I don't mind the like a community building and the building of, of a tribe. What really bothers me is like, um, the type of thinking that uh, reminds me of religion where it's like, we have one thinking and anytime an argument, you know, plays out, we're just like, we're not going to acknowledge it for if it's credible or not. We're just going to like put it off. Does it is in our line of thinking? And you could see that with like the Elon Musk, you know, thing like one, he's on our side and then instantly he's not on our side. Yes. And I bet you're yes. going to see the same goddamn Great thing example. with El Salvador, right? The El Salvador is on our side right now. And then I'm sure there's going to be a downside to having a, you know, semi dictator in like a third world country where people are still getting poorer, like, as as your main proponent for why Bitcoin like that, there's going to be a downside to that. And buying from probably... his phone, by the way, buying off of his phone. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it just like, <laughs> yeah, you know, the whole. Anyway. So, so I, yeah, I'm no, no, no I do want to fine tune. Yeah. I do want to fine tune that and just just state love seeing the free market play out. Absolutely, Eric. I, I absolutely love that. And community building and tribes are innate human being behavior. What I'm what I'm saying is like, can we have a a new metaverse and within that metaverse can we at least evolve our thinking a little bit where we're inclusive of these religions they're ultimately religions there's dogma and tribes being formed and what i would like to see is a little bit more of a permissionless open network between these different religions It'll allow for people to move from one to another and if we're going to put elon musk on a pedestal and say, God, he, you know, he's our savior for our coin. And the moment that he tweets out anything about Doge, we're going to rip him apart. Like, that's funny to me. It's like, come on, man. Like, he's just a human being. He's an investor. And I know I'm hitting a sensitive spot for Steven with Don't that, with go that back. example. But remove remove the Elon from the point. And, and that's the point, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, religion has caused more wars and more death probably than, than any other thing over like human history. So, um, I really hope we don't like adopt that same kind of dogma in these, in these different communities. I think this group's fairly, uh, you know, politically in the middle, you know? Uh, and so I think we'll probably be down the middle when it comes to, you know, which crypto dogma or family you're going to ascribe to, right? It seems so silly and dumb. Would you say that that's also a role that Collective Shift is going to play is to like uh, try to facilitate open conversations about these types of things? Oh, I, I really hope so. I really hope so. Or at least to be as objective and unbiased as possible. Yeah. I mean, the idea here is to help people understand the space and then to make money. Like, <laughs> like so right. where the alpha flows, people will go and uh ultimately i was actually thinking about that this like today <laughs> earlier i was thinking like I, i'm such like an eth guy now i even have like the ultrasound money thing on my twitter um, Ooh. but like Ooh. <laughs> but i just thought oh, about God. it like i'm much more like suzu ish in in that um if i stopped making opportunistic money, on ETH, money I'd just maker be, i'd be over it i'd be way over it <laughs> i'd be over ETH if, if like if negative investment returns for too long and eh, over it. Appreciate your honesty. So you're an avalanche, man. <laughs> telling me. Yeah. I think we all yeah. are. I mean, that's why we do this, isn't it? Like we do this to make money, right? Agreed. I it's it's like both for me. I obviously want to make money. I'm I'm primarily driven 
by making money like if i'm being honest but like I, I i do believe in it all and it does it does feel good to be a part of like meaningful things and to like be building you know the or at least participating in like the the new world you know decentralization matters I'll, I'll yes. say that. there will be like the world will be a better place i think you know yeah. we'll probably go peak decentralization decentralized too much and then they'll be like you know uh, a proper use of decentralization for some things where, you know, and, and none for others. But, but yeah, I think in general, it, it provides like a, a better place, uh, especially for people to kind of move between financial classes, right? Like for more upward, upward mobility, which is pretty sweet. Well, the beauty of centralization that's really interesting is centralization created every single thing that we see today. Innovation was Mostly driven by Wait, centralized what? thinking. Not yes. the United States. What? I, I what why not? Why not? The the cent- every the, web two company one, that one you're looking the, at. But one of the you're, I don't think you're zoomed out enough. Like one of the central innovation. Pun, no pun intended. One of the central innovations of like <laughs> well, the last couple hundred years <laughs> has been like the evolution of like free market capitalism versus like centralized. You know control right which in and of itself is decentralized in the same way that like crypto is is like you could you can make the same analogy by saying that like oh like crypto is great because it's centralized into these centralized teams that build protocols instead of a bunch of random people running around coding so it just depends on like what layer you're kind of zoomed into but like like the free market as a whole is like pretty damn decentralized you know especially like when compared to like soviet communism that and that's what makes it good is like all these individual actors although some of them may be groups that within that group yeah sure they're centralized um sure you're getting really detailed there but i'm referring to the layer that created the innovation which is the layer beneath the free market which is the companies that were centralized i don't know most most of science most of science throughout history has been very collaborative you know and spread across sorry i'm devil's advocating the the no 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 that's a that's a fair point a lot of that innovation has been very collaborative across countries across you know i think a, a lot of our wednesdays have actually like kind of been around this idea of like what what is like the appropriate level of centralization versus decentralization i think like it's becoming more clear to me that like the you know like how ethereum is like the the protocol level that allows other apps to be developed i think it's like it's kind of like how i think about the free market and then you can like bring on companies to innovate or something you know like is it is it that complicated i mean it's probably a little complicated but like it, it, it just seems obvious that like decentralization works the best when you go out and you zoom to like large groups and that centralization works the best when you zoom into small family units, right? Like you don't want a mm-hmm. decentralized household with like 11 children in it. Kids are running right? the dad. You want the dad to just be like a benevolent dictator, right? Right. But you don't want like a dictator running the earth full of 7 billion people, right? And God. you don't want a market with like one company so good, it's good analogy yeah very fair can you imagine guys like like to how silly it was like in in like soviet russia like there's like central planners and they'd be like all right how many barbers are we going to need next quarter and then like, yeah, like okay, guys here's how many all the pre- here's how like, blue right, jeans this, need this train is gonna <laughs> this train of wheat is gonna go to here and then we're gonna yeah it was like insane it was absolutely insane you must have known the whole time like we are fucking this up so bad. <laughs> like this is 
this is definitely wrong. Like it's not. Of course wrong. they did, but they didn't want to get shot. <laughs> just yeah. go. You just keep your head down, and you ship the trains out to. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think like it's a it's a good topic of discussion for for DAOs too, right? Like everyone's like mm -hmm. uh, slapping a DAO on it, and it's like, well, you know, we've talked about you know some initiatives we we would want to like embark on. Like, what well, do you make it a DAO? It's like, well, do you want to make it super inefficient, take five times as long, and be average and mediocre? Then yeah, we should. But if you want to do it faster like, and more efficiently, like flex tape meme. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> so slap it on the DAO. <laughs> I mean, with with the DAO, you can certainly uh, issue a governance token, which could have like an extreme valuation. So maybe during a bull market, it kind of makes financial sense to slap a slap a DAO on it. But uh, certainly to execute, it sounds like a horrible way. It's, but it it seems like the market is moving <laughs> towards this like evolutionary model, right? Where a lot of those great projects now are that they're starting centralized and at like a particular critical mass. You're like moving to more decentralized hey, your framework works right that, like if like... it gets big enough then then yeah mm -hmm. maybe we decentralize mm -hmm. it and like make this like public good this company that everyone likes and uses like let's put it in the hand of the users in the community and let them kind of like see it from here from here on for the next like 200 300 years where the founders that's kind, of, kind of how government works right like we have these industries and then they get super big and then the impulse has been to like collectivize them and turn them into utilities and stuff so <laughs> maybe it's not mm -hmm. Maybe it's not so different. Um, what were you going to say, Armand? I just think it naturally happens. Like, it's just something that that is sort of inevitable in the evolutionary <laughs> cycle of whatever we are talking about, if we're going to get really macro about it and look at the levels here. Like, this, you know, it makes me think about Kevin Kelly in so many ways. Like, you know, just because I've had these conversations with him, it helps me zoom out and, and look at some of the things that humans build, the tools that we build, they build us, the technologies that we build, being this layer that is not separate to uh, us as a species. And like, there should be fundamentally no difference between the evolutionary cycles that we go through and technology in and of itself and like not to get overly philosophical which i would love to if you guys want to but i i think that it's really interesting to watch these things play out the way that they do because it's like was this something existential or random and humans just sort of built it accidentally or was this something that was actually always happening anyway and was in the background and inevitable it really makes you think about where we're going as a species and how this is going to ultimately play out and i mean what are you referring to specifically just like crypto well, well i can give a good example Armand. like like you know crypto always existed it was math like math has always existed and mm. it's always been going on and you know we kind of like humans made you know maybe made cryptography and made this like cryptocurrency industry but like the the fundamental like if you kind of like that math is one of those fundamental principles that's always kind of like underlined our world and even like not even our world, like the universe. And so I, I don't know, I find that I find what you said, like pretty compelling. And like, I just thought of it as like, you know, maybe crypto has always been around and we took so the math true. And added a layer on it, but math's always been there. Is that where you so were thinking true. of when you were talking yeah. with him? Like yeah, that these things existed? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like, we have to turn our attention to them. And we have to develop them, right. but they were ultimately always there. 
and it's our ability to actually build on top of them or around them that turns them into something tangible and physical in reality but like to your point like math is what ties the entire universe together right i mean you're talking about like cryptography is a is a really fascinating interesting topic in and of itself that most people in the crypto space i mean i for one have not spent enough time there but i want to like i want to really like understand all of this from a first principles perspective i think it's really important for people even for an investor yeah i mean i think it's true that math has sort of always been around but like the cryptography that like enables bitcoin right like obviously right mm -hmm. hasn't just depends on like how metaphysical you want to get right it's sort of analogous right. to being like you know we had the atoms here all along to create nuclear fission we just had to like <laughs> harness those atoms you know it's like yeah it's technically true yeah, <laughs> but, but how useful is that as an analogy? I don't know. <laughs> but like, yeah, like iterate iteration is important. Obviously, it's like every little building block. You know, you never know which one of those is going to become like the, the 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 keystone for like the next the next great thing. Like, there's probably like one evolution in cryptography where it was like, okay, now all the pieces are here, and then Satoshi came and kind of put that together designed the algorithm but he couldn't have designed bitcoin in like 1850 with like existing math you know yeah the the cryptography he maybe could part. have designed it in like 1985 i don't know that that sounds like, i also want to learn more about it but it also sounds like a 10-year journey on its own like mm -hmm. those zero knowledge proofs or whatever like you know that that sounds like a whole whole different path to go down like you need specific knowledge on top of specific knowledge to even learn that specific knowledge yeah, and I don't think any of us need to bother with that in the same way that, that we don't bother with, like, how does our iPad work? It's like, I don't know. You know, at a certain point, like, technology just becomes so complicated. It's, like, not realistic to even understand it unless you're, like, a... This sounds like such a cop-out. But, but, like, I I don't think Ethereum's in that state today, but, like, it, it might be in that state, like, really quickly. Um I don't know why this reminds me, but there were three sort of like takes in the, and it sounds like Stephen, you read some or most of the Masari uh, Theses 2022 report. Mm -hmm. There were sort of like three takes for where we're at and, and like where it's gonna go from here. And I don't remember them perfectly, but I think one is like this super cycle. The other is like uh, this last sort of uh, into next year, mid mid sort of next year. And the other is that like, we're, we're here, it's the end of the cycle. I'm curious where you guys think we're at and like in general, like as an investor, like how, I guess if you knew how to play it, you would just play it and you wouldn't even worry about it. But like how the public in general is like looking at this and how we individually are looking at this. I can go first if you want. Yeah, do that. <laughs> by all means, by all means. Um, I mean, my personal take on this is, and this has been my main thesis since like, you know, middle of last summer on the basis of all the research that I didn't personally We're finally do, recording read all of your takes, yeah. by the way. So we'll be able to refer to them by time, date, the whole shebang, uh -oh. like it'll all be on the record. Yeah. Can memorialize them on the wall. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I can take credit right, for first creating take. any of these models from from scratch, but maybe I'll take credit for aggregating them. I don't know. Um, it's always seemed pretty obvious to me from all the available data. Like once you're presented with it, 
that we are in a cycle that's going to be much longer than the previous ones. Um, if not so long that it just, we can't even distinguish it as like a cycle in ways that we have in the past. And I think there's all obviously like a tremendous amount of recency bias. Like there's been like two cycles prior to this basically. And it's just like, yeah, it is kind of ridiculous that everybody's put together all these models on the basis of a four year cycle. And like, arguably we've only had one four year cycle and like how you define a cycle is a little, you know, especially in like 2013, we had like the quote unquote double bubble. Was that two cycles? I don't know. It's, it's all very, fuzzy and you can kind of see whatever you want to see in the magic mirror. Um, but everybody who is calling for like 300K, like people are still calling for 300K Bitcoin like the beginning of November by the end of the year. That's just like peak delusion. I think if anybody ever wants a reality check on prices, they should probably just open up like the options chain, just pull up like uh, Darabit and see what like, you know, December Ethereum calls are trading at, right? And like, cause I, I think, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you could have bought like a $6,000 December Ethereum called December 31st for like 150 bucks premium, right? And there are a whole bunch of people calling for 13K Ethereum by the end of December. Well, it's like, all right, we'll buy that option and make like 200X on your money, I guess, right? Um, I think that, that that money is probably by default a lot smarter than all the, the YouTubers and people tweeting stuff, right? And Clearly, that is not pricing in like not to say that they were right before because that those models were wrong before. But like, I think those models are a lot smarter now um, than they used to be. And they're more, you know, intelligent players in the space making those markets. Is the crypto market um, like options? I guess the crypto options market is is that liquid enough? Is that I mean, it is on Darabit. There's pretty good liquidity there. Um, there is. There's not the great liquidity. I mean, there's starting to be good liquidity, like actually on chain now, but that was like a very difficult problem to solve for a long time. I mean, you have like um, Premia is a good The bid ask spreads are really wide and um, you don't get like, you know, you can have Darabit, something. Darabit's not that wide. They're really bad on like Ledger X or whatever it is because there's no liquidity. But and anything like, on chain is like really wide. I mean, it, it's not, liquidity is not that good. I don't think, uh, I don't think implied volatility is priced correctly either because like I get I get bigger premiums uh, selling like Tesla options than I do on crypto and that shouldn't be the case. Yeah, it seems right. Seem right, right? Tesla uh, Tesla might have more vol. Tesla probably has way more volatility than Bitcoin this year. Like way more, I would bet. Like multiples higher. I don't enough. think so, man. I think didn't Bitcoin go down by like fifty percent this year? Like I would I would I would place a strong wager on that. You wanna? But it, it, like, it's not even Tesla. Like I, I literally do all all stocks, and my screener will come up. Like it came up with twelve hundred stocks today. Tesla, uh, you know, in the chain was probably like ten of those. So there's like there's a, a ton. There's a ton of stocks with uh, volatility that's like being priced higher than crypto volatility, and that doesn't seem right to me. Like, I think there are a lot of stocks that have it. higher volatility, though. I, and I think that like large sectors of the stock market actually have had higher volatility, especially than Bitcoin this year. Um, feel so. free to fact check me on that, but I'm 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 fairly certain that's true. Um, but yeah, I guess to tie that into what you were saying before, Armand, like yeah, like all the data I've looked at suggests that like we're going to have like a very long cycle, if not like a super cycle, Perpetual but like. One? 
but super cycle to me is like I, what does that even mean like if we if we just draw down 60 percent and have like three month bear markets and right. then go back up is that a super i, I guess technically but like yeah. still looking at wrecked quite bad hold on hold on there. didn't didn't eve you go know? from like 80 to 5,000 and then back down to 1700 there's no I mean, way this yeah. this, this year it's higher volatility than that i've said this year maybe like year to date because like in the last 12 months it was like it was at like a hundred dollars like of course no crypto no, is no. much higher volatile. no ethereum was like 700 dollars more year, like yeah yeah you know yeah so like, and, and i didn't say all stocks i said there are many stocks that have higher i still think crypto is just no. way I want to look at that jamie look at it we need, we, need, we need to be specific about what we're arguing. If we're arguing specific stocks versus Bitcoin, then there are many stocks, like Tesla especially, I think, which has probably had higher volatility or something. Than, yeah. than Bitcoin. Yeah, certainly GameStop, right? So it's sort of like, a, yeah, we can just yeah, take look, your poison there. Ethereum far, was at 573 a year ago. Exactly. 10x. What was it at the start of the year, though? 780? Start of the year... January 1st, seven, so yeah, 774. Woo! Wow. Nailed it. But a big jump. <laughs> it went from like the 730 all the way up to 1,000. What was your first within... uh, or lowest ETH buy? My oh, lowest God. ETH buy? Lowest. Uh, I bought like a chump. But Probably like, like chump two, 230, 220. I think I got a, I got a lot. I got almost all of my ETH in that range. I also bought a lot of ETH at uh, about fourteen hundred dollars in twenty eighteen, which is like the pico top. Top so, tick. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So I mean, you know, I mean, to be fair, I immediately flipped it into like a, a like a seed investment, which may or may not make multiples on that. So it remains to be seen, like how dumb I am. But <laughs> I certainly, certainly have my moments. All right, you little DGens, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed. Head to alfalfapod.com for all of our links and socials. And if you want some real alpha, head to collectiveshift.io and join thousands of members getting the latest insights and alerts from a team of expert research analysts all there to help you create more wealth and freedom through crypto. And don't forget to use our discount code alfalfa for 50% off your first month. Until next time, see you then. Peace.